That's a tough question. He's the main guy for Christianity, I guess. He's cool. Jesus Christ. Who is he to you? He's just Jesus, man. I don't know. He's just, he's just a cool guy, man. He's awesome. A carpenter from 2,000 years ago. A Jew, definitely. And yeah, he was a reformer, but I don't believe him to be the Messiah at all. Now, who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Ooh, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, I believe he existed, um, but I believe that he might have been, like, a rock star, like, you know, pretty cool. Like, maybe he, people thought he was super cool, but I don't believe in him as, like, a religious force. He's a person in history. That's all. It's a comfy story that probably makes people feel secure. Who do I believe Jesus Christ to be? Like, what kind of question is that? Who is, is, he, is he anything to you at all, or? I mean, he's a religious figure. He uh, had, I mean, he obviously had a good message to send. I don't know if I, he's not my savior, but. I actually don't know yet. Um, it's just something that I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I believe in and what, me, what it really means to me to even have a religion right now. Mm-hmm. Well, happy Easter, everybody. We're really glad that you guys are, are with us to celebrate Easter. And uh, today really is a, a celebration because here at Church in the Valley and for Christians really all over uh, the world, uh, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive today. And that, that song that we uh, just sang uh, represents the fact that Jesus is no longer in the grave. He has risen from the dead. And today that, that's really what we're celebrating. But as that video uh, just show no matter kind of your thoughts of Easter, uh, we all have to kind of wrestle with that question of, of who is Jesus. And I'm going to keep talking. If you hear that feedback, it's not just your ears. It's not just a ringing. It's happening. But we're going to we're going to work that out. So wherever you are this morning, uh, we're launching a new series uh, called Questions uh, for Jesus. And in the series, we're really looking at the idea of what if you were to be able to sit down and maybe you have a cup of coffee and you sit down and across from you is Jesus. And you might have a variety of questions that you'd like to ask him. And there might be a lot of thoughts you'd like to share with him. And in this series, we're going to kind of bring about what are the the biggest questions that people tend to have. And the good thing with questions is with questions and especially the right questions, you actually can get answers. And as you have answers, it provides clarity for all of life. And when you have clarity, it actually allows you to figure out how to move forward in life. And so really, this series is about uh, clarity. But it begins today with really this idea of, of who is Jesus and what makes him unique or is he unique? And so you may be here this morning. You may be a kind of full hearted, wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. And you've wrestled with this idea of who Jesus is, his identity, his claims, and you believe that what he said was true. Uh, you may be a Christ follower, but some of the questions that you have in your mind, you, ha- you haven't settled yet. And you have just some concerns that you'd like to kind of nail down, but there's still just some unknown things. You might be investigating Christianity and you just you have a lot of questions and you're not really sure things can be known. You're not really sure if what you believed is true about Jesus. Now, there's another group that I call the Easter egg hunters. You may be here because you heard there was an Easter egg hunt today. So no matter where you are, we're actually really glad that you are here. And so just in case you're wondering, 
following this service, we will have an Easter egg hunt. And it will be right out there. So you're welcome to hang out. We've got food. And this is really designed for a place, not only that you sit and listen to a guy like me talk, but we want you to actually be able to meet people here at Church in the Valley. We want you to be, you be able to interact with people. And we're a community that follow Christ, but we're a community that's open, and, and we want to invite you to, to join along with us. And so uh, over the course of this series, we're going to talk today about the uniqueness of Jesus and what makes Jesus unique and what are the parts of himself that the Bible reveals and what did Jesus himself say about who he is. Uh, next week, we invite you back. We're going to be talking about why is Christianity uh, so exclusive? Why does it seem that Christians kind of have this view that there's one path to get to God? Why, why is that? And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, the following we're going to talk, uh, the following week we're going to talk about why take the Bible seriously? I mean, what, what makes them better than any other book that's been written? And there's a lot of people that decide the Bible is important. And some people even claim it as true. So why, why do Christ followers take the Bible so seriously? And then we're going to wrap up this series uh, talking about a question that a lot of people have asked throughout time. And that's, if God is so loving, why, why does suffering and evil exist? And so these are questions that actually do have answers. But like any question, you have to decide what you believe the right answer to be. And so nobody can force any of us to believe things. We have to kind of come up with what the evidence says, come up with what the conclusions are and determine, is that right? Does that make sense? Am I willing to, to actually uh, believe that? And so today it begins with really the center of what Easter is all about, and that, that's Jesus uh, himself. And since really the first century, uh, people have been wrestling with Jesus' identity. Uh, was he just a good teacher, uh, just a moral man that had good ideas, but nothing more than that? Was he, was he God, as he claimed? Uh, was he just kind of crazy? Were his ideas just kind of from somebody that wasn't quite based in reality? And throughout history, people have been trying to, to figure out what they do with Jesus. But then you have Christians. In fact, there's millions and millions of Christ followers in the world that have decided that based on the evidence and based on what the Bible says and based on what Jesus says, that it's true. And so they're willing to, to follow him no matter what the cost. And so you kind of have these two extremes and these kind of different ideas. But Jesus' identity is something that's really crucial. Because if, if we don't each wrestle with who Jesus is, then we can't really decide what to do with Christianity, and we definitely can't decide what to do with actually following Jesus. Because he made some bold claims. He actually made some statements that drew a line that said, if, if you want to follow me, this is what you have to believe. If you want to follow me, this is what you have to do. And so instead of kind of talk about popular opinion or things that I may have grew up thinking or you may grew up thinking, we're actually going to spend some time actually hearing from Jesus himself. And that's why it's questions for Jesus. So we're going to ask the question, what, what makes Jesus so unique? What makes you different than other teachers that have come uh, throughout history? And so the first question really in that is, who did Jesus say that he was? And people who follow Christ really have learned about Jesus from the scriptures himself, from themselves. And, and when you dig into the scriptures, you kind of find there's just... A lot of information based in historical 
in history itself where you find this is, these are the claims that Jesus made. And he was asked many questions. And these are the things that he said. So we're, I'm going to just kind of give you a brief overview. These aren't all the, this is everything Jesus had ever said because, frankly, you guys want to have lunch, as I do, and we'd be here a long time. But I'm just going to go over the big kind of statements that he made um, about himself. And so here's, here's one of them found in John 5. My father is working until now, and I am working. And so Jesus had a statement about God, and he called him my father. And the religious leaders at the time have never really heard of anyone directly saying God is their father. They didn't even say the word God. And so for somebody to say God is my father, they, they were uncomfortable with that. There's a sense in, wait a second, he's claiming he has this special relationship with God himself. There's this special access that they have, and that, that made, him, made him really nervous. He said that in the context of him healing somebody on the Sabbath, which was a day that you weren't supposed to do any work. And so Jesus drew the point and said, wait, my, my God helps people. My father helps people. And I am working just like he works. And so he helps people on the Sabbath. I help people on the Sabbath. And he drew the line. It's my father. I represent him. And I'm working just like he is working. And no one had claimed to have that authority before. And so people just, okay, wait a second. This is, this is strange. There's some things going on that, that we've not heard before. And I want to give you a little bit of the context. In John 5, 21, later than that statement, you don't have this on your, your handout, but he says this. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. So he's claiming God has the power to raise the dead to life. And that same power I have as well. So he claims this power that God has. And again, people were a little bit skeptical of that. He goes on further in 22. The father judges no one, but is given all judgment to the son. So now he went from father has authority. Father has power to now the father judges and the son judges. So now I have authority to judge. And so now all the religious leaders are getting even more nervous. Wait a second. You're not just a popular teacher. You're not just somebody who has good ideas. Now you're claiming to have power and authority that only God himself has. And so again, he, he drew a line. And then in verse 23, he says this, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So he's making it harder and harder for the religious leaders of the time to put him in a category of just good teacher, of just moral man. He's explaining his identity and he's saying, my father, God himself, has power. He has authority. He has the power to judge. And I, too, have that. So he's drawing a line. So in that statement, my father, he's working and I'm working, is packed a whole lot of meaning to really the power that, that God gave him. And the power that he has as Jesus, the son of God. He makes another statement. He says, I and the Father are one. This is in John chapter 10. I and the, and the Father are one. And this is in the context of him explaining that he could give his followers eternal life. And he's explaining this is the way that you get eternal life. Because I and my Father, we are working together. We're on the same team. And we're here to save the world from their sins. 
uh, he went on further. He said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. So he claimed the power to actually be able to forgive sins. And you see again and again in Jesus' ministry, he healed people. He forgave people. And there's a sense of he is, he is moving as the Son of God, and he's changing people that no one had ever seen before. And so he just kind of kept on doing his ministry, kept on showing people what really his heart was all about, what was most important to him. So I and the Father in one, he said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. I have the power to forgive you. And so really you see as he's claiming this unity with God, he's claiming that he is God. He is representing God as his son. And so like any claim that's made, it needs to be it needs to be verified. Right. If somebody was to say something that was really important, that was going to really impact you, you, you want to verify. Anytime we make an important decision, anytime there's like a lot on the line, we want to verify, is this, is this true? Is this something that I can believe? Anytime there's a cost, you always want to verify. Whether you're going to buy something, whether you're going to do something, you need to verify it because there's cost involved. So part of his credentials and the statements that he made is actually found in his closest followers. Because his closest followers, really, they knew, they knew him better than anyone else. They were with him night and day. They traveled with him. Peaceful times, stressful times. It's kind of like your family. Your family knows you, right? You can kind of appear to be one thing, but with the people that are with you the most, they, they really know who you are. And so there's a part of kind of figuring out what makes Jesus unique is you actually have to wrestle with what did those closest to him Say, And there's an account found in Matthew 16. And uh, Peter, who was one of really his closest followers. And there was this buzz that was going around the time of Jesus' teaching and his ministry. And many people were, hey, did you hear about Jesus? Did you, did you hear about what he's done? So it's hard to imagine kind of Jesus and kind of all the noise that went about his ministry. Okay. You know, like today's world, we have things like that go viral, right? It's like a video. It's like this cute pet. It launches off a roof and it flies. I just made that up. I don't think that's ever happened, but I'm sure it will eventually. But there's a sense in a viral video, it gets attention and then it just, everyone watches it and everyone watches it. And if you don't watch it, you feel like I'm, I'm missing out on something that everyone has experienced. Everyone, and so it just goes viral and there's this buzz that goes and just becomes huge. Well, in Jesus' day, there, there wasn't YouTube. And could you imagine, like, Jesus tells somebody that's, you know, paralyzed, they can't move. Hey, get up and walk. And they get up and walk. How viral do you think that would go? That'd be pretty incredible. But you see, that, that, that didn't happen. But what happened in that time is it was just word of mouth. Just word of mouth. Have you heard about this Jesus? Have you heard about this person who's doing the work of his father? And they were waiting for this Messiah. So there was this kind of, is, is, is this him? Is this the Messiah? Is this who we've been waiting for to save the world? To relieve us of the oppression that we face? To give us peace that we long for? And so Jesus asked his followers, who do people say that I am? He's trying to gauge the hearts of the people. He's trying to understand what's his name 
kind of spreading. What, what do people think? So they, they tell him, well, some people say you're a great teacher. Some people say that, that you're a prophet. And then Jesus switches the corner and he turns and he says, who do you say that I am? And that is probably one of the most crucial questions that you can find in the Bible. Jesus directly talking to his followers and asking them, but who do you say that I am? And that's actually the same question that Jesus asks every single one of us today. Who do we say that he is? Not what the culture tells us, not what our family tells us, not what our parents tell us, but who do we say? Who do I say who Jesus is? And so one of his closest followers that kind of knew all about Jesus and had history with Jesus and had heard Jesus and had known him, he says this, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him. This is really important. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter was saying, there's all sorts of opinions. And there's all sorts of ideas. But I believe that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are are the son of God. Now at that moment, Jesus could have gone a lot of different directions, but he affirmed it. He said, let's not, let's not get crazy here. But he says, actually you're right. And you're not saying that just because of what people say about me. You're saying that because God let you know that there's a sense in which God has shown you that this is true. God has shown you that, that this is is right. So that's, that's a big credential. As Jesus makes these statements and he keeps drawing the line, he's really putting us all in a position where we have to wrestle with, can Jesus just be this moral teacher that teaches us about ethics, that kind of raises the bar on what's right and what's good? Can he just be in that category when he claims to have authority that God has? When he claims to have power that God has, when he has the power to judge like God judges. So Peter came to the conclusion, well, you are who you say you are. You are the Christ, the Son of God. So there's some more credentials that really the scriptures show that back up what Jesus said about himself. Now, have you ever been to the doctor and you go into their their office and you know how you have the waiting area, right? And the waiting area you think is the waiting area. It's like the first waiting area. And you think, okay, I'm going to see the doctor now. And they say, they call your name and you're like, Alexander Barrett, you can come see us. And you're kind of like, oh, that was, that was a lot shorter. That was amazing. And then you get in and they're like, oh, please wait here. You're like, wait a second. What, what was I doing out there? So that's just like pre-waiting. Okay. Then the real waiting comes, and this is like when you're in the inner circle of the, the medical offices. And you're in the room, and you, know, you have to sit on that paper stuff. And you like, don't know, like, do I sit sideways? Do I lie down? Like, it's just awkward. But if you've ever been to one of those offices, one of the best things is when you get in the office and you see the credentials of the doctor, right? 
like the university, like they got their, their MD license and they've got kind of all their history of here's why I am okay to come in this room and tell you to take this medicine. And they're, they're basically on the wall proving that they have the authority to instruct you to do some things that can impact your life. Now, how would you feel, though, if you went into an office and on like the wall is a framed napkin and it said like trained by the medical Internet University of California. And you're like, well, I've never heard of like the medical Internet University. And then in like small writing, it's like in crayon. No, this is real. Really? How would you feel? I say that, you know, joking, but the credentials in like places like a hospital or a doctor's office, they're, they're very important because they have authority. They have power. And we want to know, like, do you know what you're doing? That's what we're really asking. And the frame on the wall is saying we know what we're doing now. That's not always the case. But for the most part, the greater the credentials, it means that there's affirmation that they know what they're doing. They've been trained. They have authority. They have power. And you're willing to allow them to do that. That will impact your life. And Jesus is the same way. He claims power and he claims authority. And it's like his credentials are all over the scriptures. But each of us have to decide and say, are these credentials real? Not just for for show, but will I allow him to use the power that he claims to actually lead me as he wants. Because again, that's what Jesus came to do. He didn't just come to teach things and give ideas and hope everyone learns a little bit more about what the good life is or about how to be happy. He actually came to save us. But like anyone that wants to be saved by a doctor, if you have a life-threatening disease, you have to actually submit to the doctor's care and decide that I'm going to be here and I'm going to allow you to do whatever surgery you need to do to save me. It's the same with Jesus. He made claims of his power and authority, but we have to decide. Does he have the credentials? So I'm actually willing to allow him to have power and authority over me. That's what each of us have to decide. So I just want to share some of these credentials because In the Bible, you can kind of read over them and you don't really realize you have this sense of this is what God did so we could actually trust Jesus. This is the evidence that we're just not making kind of this blind faith decision, but it's actually something that's based in history, based on real events as Jesus interacted with real people. And so here's some of the credentials. Uh, His moral character. The scriptures claim in Jesus' life that he did not sin. There's no sin. He lived a perfect life. Now, I would say like that, in terms of like a framed picture, that's a pretty good one. It just says perfection. You're like, okay, I see that one. I can't get that one. They don't sell that one. You can't go to school for that. But he claimed it. Perfection. And he actually had a question and he challenged his enemies in John 8, 46. He says this. Jesus challenged his enemies with the question. 
Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Now, you'd think, like, if you really want to feel good about yourself, you, you know, you'd ask probably, like, your mom. Right? Like, your mom will sometimes tell you the truth, but she wants you to feel good. Right? Moms. Okay? For the most part, moms, they want to affirm. They want to love. I'm not saying moms lie, okay? I'm not saying that. Don't write that down. But there's a sense in which, you know, you, you'd ask kind of the people closest to you that you know really love you. Like, am I, am I a good person? You know, you want to ask, like, am I okay? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? You know, you ask those people close to you, but Jesus, he asked his enemies. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? And they, they, they could not. Their biggest fears was not that he didn't sin, but that he was doing all these things that were changing people. And he was growing in his influence and power. But there was no sin that they could find him guilty of. And then he also, again, has the claims of his closest followers. Now, if you were to ask my wife or my kids, hey, is your husband or your father, is he perfect? What do you think they'd say? Depending on which child you ask you'd get a very different answer, but it'd be kind of the same. Either it'd be like, no way, or no, he, yeah, he messes up all the time. The younger it is, the less filter. So you might actually find specific sins, right? <laughs> but there's a sense in which if you ask the people again closest to you, they're going to they're gonna know. So his closest followers, Peter in 1 Peter 2.22 says this, he committed no sin. John in 1 John 3.5 in him, there is no sin. So when people follow Jesus, they're following someone who's done nothing like anyone else in the fact that he's not messed up. He's not blown it. He's never failed. So that's actually a, a, a big credential that his best friends and his enemies both affirm. He was guilty of no sin. Another credential that he has is not just his morality, but his power over natural forces. He had power that no one had. Uh, he was traveling with his disciples and his followers, and the weather became so violent. They were in a boat, and they were freaked out. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a boat, and it's kind of been a little rocky, okay? But I, I once went on a... Uh, a science trip to Catalina. And Catalina has like two sides. It has Avalon, the cool side, and it has like the science side, which is not Avalon. Okay, that's where you like find a lot of like sea animals and everything. Sea animals, is that a real idea? It is now. Um, so I was on this boat for this science trip, and like it was, it was rocky, and it's like bunk beds, and we're like spending the night, and you're like thinking, wow, I'm spending the night on this boat. It's like, a dream, you know, and I'm on this boat and I'm on the top bunk and I'm just like, dude, just <laughs> doof, doof. And you know what I'm saying? And then you get on the land and then you're like this, <laughs> like, am I on a waterbed right now? And the answer is yes, you are. But a boat, it's when it gets rocking. And so what was happening is the disciples were, were freaking out. 
And it wasn't just like my little weak Catalina waves. I mean, there's a storm that is raging. And they're thinking like, we, we got a problem. Uh, we actually may lose our life here. We have a problem. Somebody needs to do something. And they began to freak out. And uh, Jesus spoke a word and the wind calmed. And it was over. He spoke a word and the wind obeyed him. So you got one plaque. It says perfection. Then the second one is next to it. And it says wind listens to his name. Isn't this like the most interesting man in the world? (laughs) Even wind obeys him. That's what the Bible says. Even the wind obeys him. And this was their response. Who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? Has anyone else in history been able to say a word and the waves become calm? I've not seen a viral video of that. I've not read about that in any other book. So say what you will about Jesus. There's things about him that people have said that no one has said about anyone else. So there's a uniqueness that he can claim that no one else has those plaques on the wall. They don't have his credentials. Then there's a third one. The Bible shows he has power over sickness, disease and death. His power over sickness, disease and death. Now, there's a story of one of Jesus' close friends called Lazarus. And Lazarus died. And Jesus was actually really heartbroken. And if you ever want to like memorize a scripture, there's like a great scripture that describes Jesus' response. And it's Jesus wept. If you're not good at memorizing stuff, you could memorize those two words and you have a memory verse memorized today. What did you learn at church? Jesus wept. That was his response to Lazarus. Dying, and his close friend, he, he just wept. He showed his emotion. He showed his heartbrokenness. But Jesus didn't leave him this way. Jesus actually commanded him to wake up from his death, which wasn't asleep, and walk out. And the account of Scripture goes like this in John 11. When he, he had said these things, He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Now, anyone else? That's like a mummy. I I read that the other day and I never kind of caught that. But it wasn't like Lazarus, come out, but take off that stuff first because you're going to freak people out. It was Lazarus, come out. And so he got up and walked out, but he's covered. And it doesn't say like, there's kind of the humor side of me. He's like, did he like hit, you know, like like the wall? No, you don't know. But he couldn't see. He was just, he was completely covered. His face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Like, okay, guys, he's just risen from the dead. But let's like take the stuff off him so we can actually see. So he doesn't have a fatal fall. Okay. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So there's another credential. Perfect. The wind listens to him. 
And then he raised his friend from the dead. I don't know about you, but there's a sense in which Jesus isn't really kind of leaving much room of what to do with him. If this is true, then you really have to look and say, well, if this is true, then he's done something that no one has ever done before. And this is not true, but his enemies, his followers, and he himself all say it is, then now they're either crazy or or I'm crazy. But you see that Jesus doesn't just fit into this, he was a good teacher. He did things that good teachers don't do. And he made claims that good teachers don't claim. And then the fourth thing related to that is he even predicted his own death and resurrection, what we celebrate today. So not only did he call Lazarus to come out, but he himself predicted in the scriptures five different times that he was going to be crucified and that he was going to rise again. So he knew the future. And he knew the outcome. And it happened. And that's why we celebrate Easter today. Luke 9, 21 through 22, this is one of those predictions. It says this, And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So what makes Jesus unique? Well, according to the scripture, his credentials, really, they speak for themselves. There's a sense in which he has the credentials. What he said would happen, happened in the moment. What he said would happen in the future, happened. And it came true. And so no matter where you are today, There's really an opportunity for each of us to decide what do we do with this information about who Jesus is? Because it's bold. And the line is drawn. And we each have to choose, am I willing to believe that this is true? Or if I'm not willing to believe it's true, am I willing to investigate? And I want to encourage you right now as I wrap up, there's a a handout in your program that has more information based on the things that I've talked about today. It's like an extra handout. And on there has got a lot of the scriptures that this information, his credentials were pulled from. So that handout, no matter where you are, that could be a helpful tool to you. If if you're a Christ follower and you, you just need to strengthen your resolve, you know I need to get more familiar with the questions that people have, and I need to find answers. I encourage you to look that through. If you're skeptical and you just, you know, you're just not sure that this could really be true. You're not sure that really Jesus could do what he said he did. And you're not really sure what to do with Jesus. You can look through that as well and read those scriptures. So no matter where you are, whether you're a Christ follower who's nailed this stuff down, a Christ follower that's trying to figure out how to make some conclusions or somebody that's just trying to investigate. You're not even sure if this is true. You're not even sure if these credentials are real. I encourage you to to use that handout to, to do some research of yourself. Investigate. 
Because if it turns out to be true, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that we receive from God when we turn to follow him. We may have questions and we may want answers, but I think we all can agree we'd really like power. We'd like help. We'd like to set out on the things that we have on our plate and actually be able to accomplish them. We don't want to be alone. And so as we celebrate the fact that Jesus is no longer in the grave and he has power that no one has ever had, his life and the fact that he died for us, for our sins, connects God's power to us as we choose to follow him. And it's that power that makes all the difference. And so I encourage you, whatever your questions are, do some of the research and, and get some help. There, if you came with somebody today or you know somebody part of this church, you can ask some of those questions. It's okay to have questions. The key is, are we finding the answers? Because in there we get, we get clarity. Uh, if you could pull out your connection card, there's another thing that Barry asked you to fill out. Finish filling that out. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to sing another song and then uh, receive our offering. But there's uh, three next steps that you can take today. And I encourage you to to take one of those. Take the information you've heard and and do something with it. And so the first is if, if you've never committed your life to Christ and you don't follow him, but you get the sense that you really need to actually make a decision to move forward, I encourage you to do that. And so for the first time, you may want to decide that you you want to commit your life to to follow Jesus. The second is maybe you just need some of those questions answered. You need to do your due diligence. And so spend some time on that handout. And then third, attend the rest of the series. There actually may be more clarity that you could get as you kind of learn more about what Jesus says about the important questions in life. So let, let me pray and then we're going to sing a song back to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending us Jesus, and we do celebrate him and his resurrection today, the fact that his predictions were true. And I know for some of us, it may be hard to to swallow that, it may be just confusing to believe, and so I I pray, God, that you'll you'll tear down any, any barriers. And God, I know that when we ask you, to show us yourself. You, you do. And so I pray that for, for us as we seek you, as we try to learn more about you, may it be. May we actually get a better picture of who you are and who Jesus is. And so we ask for your help in this. In the name of Lord Jesus, amen. Who is Jesus? That's the question. That's the question. Was he a real person? What did he say? What did he do? What made him so special? What made him different than any other man in history? 
the records show. His birth was a miracle. His mom was a virgin and she was pregnant. He made the blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The paralyzed walk. He healed terrible diseases. He knew what was in men's minds. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knows what is in men's hearts. He knew the story of people's lives without ever having met them. He spoke with authority. He amazed teachers. He amazed everyone. Nature obeyed him. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He walked on top of the water. He could change the weather. He fed 5,000 people from one lunchbox. He brought people who were dead back to life. He loved sinners. He loved everyone. 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 He forgave sins. He never made a mistake. He never once sinned. But we judged him. We whipped and beat him. We spit on him. And we killed him. He loved us anyway. He loves us anyway. He died for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He paid for our sins with his life. Did I mention he loves us? He came back to life. He was dead. Then he was alive. A lot of people saw him. He is coming back. Who is Jesus? That's a big question. That's the big question. What does it even matter? What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Only your answer matters to you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is?